Check it for me. Pod starts right now. Don't you worry. Here it comes. I'm Rachel Jarofsky. I'm Cody Wilkins. And of course, I'm smiling. Just so grateful you're checking for us today or tonight, whenever it is. Rachel, my good friend, great to see you. The listeners can't, but I can. And and you look healthy and wealthy. How are you feeling? Thank you. I'm healthy. I'm not wealthy. Uh, I'm feeling, you know, I'm I'm feeling a little uneasy. I've just been feeling a little fearful these last few days. Something about the world opening back up has got me just like, oh, I, you know, I can't stay in my little hovel forever, you know. Mm. Um, but I would love to try. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know how I feel about it. It's just like spring break, but is it really, you know? Right. Right. It's uh it is for the vaccinated, you know what I'm saying? You could do that a little bit. I could I could, but I'm uh, I don't know. It's like what's my spring break? I walked a half mile to the grocery store today, realized I didn't bring my wallet and turned around and went right back home. You know what I mean? That is my Florida Beach. Hey. <laughs> uh your spring break turned into a groundhog walk. Like I feel like I've been here before. Right. Literally, right. <laughs> literally. I just looked that cashier in the eye and said, thank you, brother. I needed to be humbled again. Um, Wait, did you get all the way through your grocery shopping before I got, you recognized you were wallet free? I was checking out and I was like, well, I had my wallet. I didn't have my card. And oh. I was just like, and then even worse, I'd like already bagged my shit. And he was like, oh. okay, well, you have to give that back. <laughs> <laughs> you went to the store all the way uh all the way prepared with your mother earth saving canvas bags and your uh bright positive winning attitude right you had everything except for the funds necessary to feed oneself literally that you left the card at the crib look oh. Literally that. I had no choice but just to and, and it's a you know it's a half mile walk but you know I got my steps in it's all there good what else was I going to do? Sit inside. Um, <laughs> how about you, Cody? Uh, are you checking for anybody these days? You know, I, I am checking for uh, some bodies, uh, some bodies. I'm checking for the Illinois basketball team. Oh, it yeah. is m- one of my favorite times of year, March Madness. Mm-hmm. One, because I get to feel like a hipster this month. I'm one of if not the only one of my friends who doesn't fill out a bracket every year, you know, like everyone's like, yo, fill out your bracket, get in the pool, win some money. And it's like, Ooh, first of all, I haven't watched college basketball all year long. I'm a fair Mm -hmm. weather fan. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Secondly, I don't have kiddie pool money. I can't hop in no bracket. My shit get busted. Now my bank account is too. Like, what are we talking about? I can't do this, but I'm very excited for the Illinois basketball team because it's taking me back to like eighth grade when they went to the final four, when we were kids. Yeah. And I'm just, Feeling a lot of nostalgic excitement, uh, and in today's world, I will hang on to uh, any and all of that if mm-hmm. I can. You know, uh, go fighting Illini. Do I believe you have the most uh, socially appropriate woke uh, mascot name in the game? 
No, but we're not talking about that right now. I can't. I can't afford to be too mm-hmm. focused on on the hard truths right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I just want to see somebody hoop. You know what I'm saying? You just open kind of your eyes to what you're able to absorb without them burning out of your sockets. You know? Precisely. Precisely. <sighs> How about you? Get that. you? You you got any checkeration going on? In or out? Out or in? Any checkeration? I oh, of course, I'm aggressively checking for my stimulus check. Oh yes. Just, mm. I, you know what? And by the way, I'll just take a moment to um, make this announcement to you guys and our listeners. Um, if anybody doesn't want uh, their stimulus, you know, just um, <laughs> I'm right over here. I'm like that weird kid at, at lunch who like weirdly likes school milk. <laughs> and they're like, hey, um, if anyone doesn't want their milk, I'll actually like that's how I feel about my stimulus. Like, yeah, but see, the stimulus, everybody thinks the stimulus is the school cookie, though. Like, the one good thing on the school lunch menu. Wow, the school cookie. Uh-huh. Is, is that, like, maybe way too warm chocolate chip cookie wrapped in. Is that saran wrap plastic? Or did you get that off the same thing the chicken was wrapped in before you right. cooked it? Who knows? Mm-hmm. But the cookie's hidden. So that's what a stimmy is, you know what I'm saying? But you're right. Don't they astound me stimulant? I would love to know. I know. It's like, you never know how is it going to come in the form of a check, a direct deposit. There's some sort of card they send sometimes. I'm like, please don't send me that card. Just don't send me that card. It sounds like an 11th step that I don't need. Right. And then especially for you, you a real card leaving at the crib type. uh, You know what I'm saying? You'll get the stimulus and go get two, three, four, five half mile walks and just be still like, oh, shit. Forgot that. Oh wow! And and all all as I'm as I'm trailing through the city, just walking to and fro, looking for my many cards. I will be going up to people who look like they make seventy five k and being like, "Do you really need your check, though? Right. Sign <laughs> it on over. Sign it on over. <laughs> Let me hold that. Now, now look. I know you took a nice little walk outside today, uh, which was probably great because it's been sunnier than usual, but. Uh, that actually is making me think about somebody who needs to get their big, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? And go ahead and be out the way in the streets. Mm-hmm. You know? I would agree. I would agree. And I think our listeners are, dare say, dying of thirst to hear who this individual, individuals include, but they are going to have to wait for that music to come on. Hold tight, Gibbs of the Week coming up. Gibbs of the Week, here we go. Everybody is wondering who's going to get it. Who's going to get burnt, burnt, sizzle, crisp? Oh, so crispy. Roasted, roasted. Today, you know, and I'll, I'll let them know, Cody, the weather is changing. Mm-hmm. It's happening, you know, and when that happens, I tend to notice some creepy crawlers getting a little arrogant and showing their faces in broad daylight. I think I think we need to put them in their place. And yes, I'm talking about Day rats. That is D A Y R A T S. Day rats. Yeah. Day rats. Look. <laughs> day rats. You can get your real cock a doodle doo. Rise and shine and give God your glory, glory. 
coming out at 7 a.m. like the early bird trying to get the worm. You are none of those animals. You are a rat, which means legally speaking, you're only allowed to be outside between the hours of 9.30 p.m. and 5.30 a.m., okay? Mm. Everyone knows y'all are the vampires of the animal kingdom. Mm. Whoops, that's bats. Whatever. You get my point, <laughs> gay rats. With your real ball tail, scatty whack, on the size of a cat. How? How are you that large? Coming out any time of day with the confidence of a white woman in search of a manager. I'm going to need you to do like the alt-right after the Capitol insurrection and take your ass back underground with your real fucking like squeak, squeak, scamper from dust till dawn like a 24-hour laundry mat neck ass. Oh, I'm not trying to do my laundry today. And yes, I realize that this is the concrete jungle where dreams are made of. And whoever dreamt up this magical hellhole couldn't conceive alleyways. How? So consequently, mm. we live amongst trash. But, but, but if I got to have another Prospect Park picnic ruined by a Slytherin ass, mm. Darden ass, buck tooth Billy, I can shoot through a can, greasy, sleazy, sneaky, but not sneaky enough, venomous ass vermin, I will implode. For I am not the willer to your bend, bitch. And I refuse to allow you to ruin spring for me, you rot bastard. I think we got him. Yo. <laughs> If it's a day rat left in the street, y'all better uh, skitter, scatter, skedaddle, because Rachel just came <laughs> at your whole head. Um, I'm going to keep it brief with you. Day rats, get your real dumpster diver sunshine thriver looking ass the fuck on out of here. Do me yep. a favor and skedaddle back to the bush that you crawl from up under. I cannot believe that at nearly 30 years old, I must sit down and tell you again, you are not a squirrel. Okay, nope. understand the operations of mm -hmm. the world. You ain't got the fluffy tail, so you can stay downstairs in hell. Coming up from the subway, like you just begging for change and trying to ask me for some look. Listen, listen, day rats, okay? I'm just trying to walk here. I'm walking here. I'm walking here. This is New York, all right? All right? Now, first of all, first of all, I got to look left, look right. Be aware of traffic. Now, bikers coming up on a sidewalk. You know what I'm saying? White ladies with big canvas bags swinging and talking about, oh, I forgot my car. And I got to turn back around going 200, <laughs> 360 degrees, all this, that, and the other. And then a day rat coming, running across my dirty J's that I had to borrow from my cousin six weeks ago. Anyway, come on, day rats. Give me a break, day rats. Not right. It's not right. Day rats. Uh -huh. I retired from soccer a long time ago, but if you scurry past my kicks, I swear I'll put you 360 yards into the street. That's all you could get from me. I'm hot. Wow. Wow. Let's just say we fucking exterminated a species in this bitch. Hopefully not. I don't know what that would actually do for our planet. But I can assure everybody that our guest, not a rat. Not at no. all. No. A human man. A very honorable man. Much more desirable to be around than a day rat or a night rat. And that's why we brought him into the virtual studio. So please, take a deep breath, sit back, relax, cool off, day rats. It's time for our guest. All right, listeners, it's time for you to buckle up because today... 
We got a real one. We got a full-time OG from back in the day. An all-around, up-and-down hooper extraordinaire. He made a name for himself on the hardwood in Chicago, bringing home a state championship for Whitney Young High School in 2009. I was in the stands. So was Rachel. Mm -hmm. And then shining on the court from coast to coast at Oregon State, then at the University of Illinois. He then got to jumping out the gym overseas and down under breaking ankles from Sweden to Australia and back again. These days, he's sharpening the game of the next generation of basketball players, running the esteemed and elite Starks training program, Ahmad Starks, everybody. Ahmad, what's up, man? What's, up, what's going on, Cody, Race, man? Good to see you guys, man. <laughs> yeah, man. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, thanks for coming, man. Um, I know it's tough to pry you away from the court, so we're, we're very uh, excited to have you on. Wow, man. I can't, you know, I can't remember last time I was on the court. It's funny, you and I, you know, we we entered uh, Whitney Young, <laughs> two young hoopers, promising I freshmen. <laughs> I actually, man, I really liked your game, honestly, at the time. We used to talk about that. I really did. So, wow. man, I wish you would have kept it going. I, you and my dad. You and my dad both. <laughs> um well, let's get into origins. So when did, Amon, when did you start hooping? Because I feel like with a bio like the one we just shared, you know, it's that's the classic Hooper narrative, which is just like you exit the womb and then immediately just like dunk on the doctor type yeah. shit. So <laughs> when did it, when did it start for you? How old were you when you when you first got into it? I was two years old when I first started actually playing basketball. So like super young. Um, it was like you said, fresh out the womb, basically. And, right. Uh, just playing on little rims and my dad having me go shoot basketballs on the court and just getting a feel for the game. And then I, the love just grew ever since. Like he was hard on me about it from early mm -hmm. age, but mm -hmm. it wasn't too much. It was also something I love to do. So it just carried from there. I remember early days of you hooping and being a problem. I also, for the listeners who don't know, used to run around in the same soccer jersey as Ahmad. And let me tell you, if you think he was a problem on the basketball court, everyone is lucky that he didn't uh, do the same thing in soccer because he would give Leo Messi a run for his money. But <laughs> let's let's get into talking about tryouts because I feel like we've got a nice parallel here going. I feel like sports and the arts are the spaces where time and time again, you have to prove that you can do what you've been doing forever. And I mean, look, you've been an elite basketball player since preschool, middle school, high school, the whole time. So what was it like to constantly be under the stressful eye of evaluation, especially, you know, coming in at what, 5'9", five, 5'10", five, being, yeah, being in basketball shorter, world like an undersized shorter, guy? Shorter than that. Shorter than that? Shorter than that. No I'm, way. Like, what do you mean? I'm, I'm so small. And so that gets overlooked. So what Cody's kind of Cody's point, you get overlooked in that regard. But like, I'm probably like, I'll give myself like 5'8". Um, but... It's tough. You know, every every step of the way, you have to reprove yourself. And that's so much harder being smaller, but just everyone in general. So when you get to high school, Cody knew me since, I don't know, like middle school, probably before. Right. And around that time when I was playing soccer with Cody, when I started to become like the number one player in the state of Illinois, I was, you know, top 30 player in the country. And when you got to high school, that didn't matter anymore. Right. Like, okay, you had the hype that that happened. It carried over, so you have the attention. But now a whole new thing starts over for you. Going into Whitney on this prestigious program, which mm -hmm. we were okay at the time, but like my class and a few and the one above me kind of elevated that. Right. But it was a lot of work that had to put it that we had to put in to recreate names for my, ourselves um, individually and as a team. So 
it happens at every step of the way. But it's like, you know, in the real world, you have to do the same thing. Now, I have a question about sort of this idea of going pro, which I feel like is very much poised as like the pinnacle, the goal, like what, what you're trying to, what you're striving for from two years old on. But I also kind of feel like there's politics to it. Like it's not, it, it clearly is not just like you got game and you're in. Um, there's politics, you know, every step of the way. Mm-hmm. Really? Mm-hmm. Every step of the way. So this is like, it became a full-time job for me probably, I say, I tell people high school, but probably just before high school. Right. Um, this became a full-time thing. So now it's even it's crazy with kids, you know, everybody, everything, right. social media, everything, internet. But Yo, it's nuts. I feel like I know more high school basketball players now because of Instagram and Bleacher Report exactly. and House of Highlights. It's just like, why is this 16-year-old kid in exactly. my brain? Why does he take up space in my brain? Because like, of the handlers. I have some of those, uh, I train some of those high-profile kids who are like, you know, sophomore, number six in the country. He's all over everything on the internet. Right. You know, but there's politics behind that. Honestly, there's people, I would say his handlers or his coaches and other mm-hmm. people like him, they, they're they're talking to the media guys. They're boosting him up. So that, that's all a part of the politics where the cameras guys have to be. Mm-hmm. So behind mm-hmm. the scenes, they're like, oh, we're playing such and such. You got to come here. That's all a part of the politics um, right. that come with the territory. Whereas there may be a guy who's just as good or better, but may not be on that team or that level just yet. But mm-hmm. all the cameras are on this guy, so it's gonna keep on pumping him up um, versus another guy who may, you know, maybe better. So that's part of the politics, and you—it's not just being, about being good, like you were saying, Rachel. Like in college, you get to college, everyone's good. Mm-hmm. Everyone comes from being the best player in high school. So there are things that that push you forward in that, and then who there are coaches' favorites, there are fan favorites who kind of mm-hmm. need to be on the floor. So that happens, and now being a pro. It's the connections your agent may have or right. different things like that because it's you could be really, really good, but the agent that you chose or you know you signed to may not be the best. Mm-hmm. Um, I was kind of a victim of that, to be honest. But uh, oh, really? you may not be the best in that field, so it kind of hurts you. God, so it's, just, it's way more to it than just simply, hey, put the ball in the basket. Cody, yeah. what does that sound like to you? Yo, my goodness. <laughs> I just like, it really is opening my mind and my eyes to like the omnip like the omnipresence of politics in whatever the industry is because sometimes I can fall into this romantic nostalgia of being like man I miss when I was like a soccer player and all I had to do was like do my sprints and get my touches and go to the gym and that that objective effort would lead to objective results but you're telling me that's just not what it was you know that and (laughs) And it's like, oh, yeah, you got to remember the realities. That is not what it was. It sucks that exposure always has to have an intersection with ability or else you just not, you might not pop the same way. Right. 100%. 100%. Do you feel like it's like damaging for like your the kids you're coaching, like these high schoolers to just have that much visibility at that age, like even more than us, because we weren't. We didn't have Instagram in high school. I don't know, no, right? not at all. We no. had uh, we had Facebook that could maybe get you in trouble if somehow, <laughs> like, you had a picture of you next to somebody with a beer in their hand. You know right. what I mean? Like, yeah. it had to be deep. But 
now I feel like you got you go to school with the paparazzi. The pressure of just I want to be seen or I want to be I want to have a highlight tape. I want to be noticed. That pressure is everything. Mm-hmm. So like just like in the real world, like you see, you know, I don't know, like let's just say women, for example. Don't kill me, Rachel. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You see, you see these uh, women, you know, with nice bodies on Instagram mm-hmm, and everything. Mm-hmm. Like, so women, you know, they try to either buy, buy bodies or they're trying to emulate those things. Whereas yeah. that's not reality. You know, mm-hmm. like that, everyone doesn't look like that or whatever the case may be. But it's the same thing as basketball and sports. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh man, that looks great. That looks great. And then that's not reality. Right. Or you're still not seeing the behind the scenes of what that person actually did to get to be that good. Mm-hmm. So everybody just thinks, oh man, just give me a highlight tape and that's cool. I've had kids reach out to me specifically about highlight tapes. Like not about training. Like, oh, can I get a mixtape? Or like, I know, a kid who, I know a kid who was playing pretty bad, like at a certain point. Um, and he hit me up. He was like, hey man, I saw the video you did with such and such. Like, can we do that? It's a kid I trained, you know, frequently, but I was like, you just told me you weren't playing well the last month. Why are we talking about putting the highlights together? Like, right. What why highlights? Are we, why are we, we just want to look good for social media when you're playing terribly. The fakery, the tomfoolery, uh, ever present. <laughs> Maybe sure. I need to put together a highlight tape. I'm sure. I'm like, what could. would it look like to put together a highlight tape right now with my oh, current no. skill set? That'd probably be terrible, honestly. <laughs> That'd be kind of like, funny. If you put some old <laughs> clips together from like freshman year, Rachel, that might be something. Let me oh let me say real quick, Cody. Yeah. Probably never told you this, but on the soccer field, I looked up to you. Yo, I I mean I I appreciate it. It warms my heart to hear that. And it's (laughs) nice to know that like one hand washes the other. Because I remember when we got to high school and my mob was coming in number one. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Big freshman of varsity. He was like already like a like without question, a mob was gonna go to the highest of the highest. And I'm sitting looking like, man, a soccer team is is not on anybody's <laughs> radar. I don't remember. Yeah. Like, I actually don't know if people know that we have a soccer team. I'm I'm like, it, I have to try every day not to be one of those guys who reaches back and reflects on the good old days, you know? Because, mm-hmm. man, that was some, that was some shit. Now, let's talk about, let's talk about something that, because that, you did, you, you breached into the professional world. Like, you, you became a professional basketball player, which is like, the equivalent of landing on the moon as a human being. Not a lot of folks do it. It's super <laughs> impressive. Sure. But I'd like to hear about your experience moving around so much, right? So it was Australia, Sweden. Were you in Macedonia? Where? What, what all countries yeah, were you? I'll list them. So first one was Sweden. Um, mm-hmm. Sweden, Australia, Canada, Brazil, China. And then I finished. Last one was North Macedonia. Right. Wow. So... Like, how challenging is it to be doing all that bouncing around, never really get the chance to lay roots anywhere? Like, sure, people get traded all the time, but you were getting new teammates, new towns, new countries, new languages with every Mm -hmm. single move. What was all that dynamic time like? And how did you kind of stay sane, you know? Uh, That's tough. I mean, that's probably the main reason why I don't play basketball anymore. Well... I'm not playing professionally anymore, rather, right. like just because of that's stressful, you know, not knowing you're going to be every year, going to new places by yourself. It's really boring. Um, and, you know, you, you try to make your best of it, but you're working, you're, you're on the job, so you can't do tripping too much. Um, mm-hmm. But 
it's a lot just trying to stay sane doing all that and like you deal with language barriers in certain places you deal with different food different kinds of people so it's a lot to take you know take on your plate and you have to perform like they expect you as an american let alone someone with a good resume to come in looking like michael jordan right they expect you to you know have it all together um so you're on that's a pressure constantly on your mind of getting it done or else you're gonna get sent home we, uh-huh. we have we have black men on the team. We're going to win. I was about to say, miss me with Macedonia. <laughs> that, I don't remember. The, I can't imagine there's any Jews over there. <laughs> that was interesting. Like I, I did a a short stint over there, and that was by the end of my career. But like that was that was interesting. I had a Serbian coach who got on my nerves. Um, yeah, probably pushed me to retirement because it was foolish. Does everybody? Uh, does everybody speak English? You got a translator on the bench because I can't imagine everybody getting yelled at speak in Portuguese. There's some like... people who do, <laughs> some people do, um, but some people don't. So you kind of gotta. There's probably an American teammate or two who's probably always translating for me. Sometimes mm-hmm. there was a coach, um, one coach, you know, probably could speak some English. So somebody's there to kind of help you. Um, but other than that, like it's still tough though. And still do they crazy. house you somewhere? Or do you like? Do you just get your own apartment? What's how do they set you up? Nah, so usually, especially when you're like in a in, a, in one of the better situations, um, they pay for everything. So wow. if you need a car that's paid for, they cover your apartment. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes maids had that before. Um, everything you need is almost taken care of. Now it's not always that way for everyone because some teams have a lot of money, some teams don't. Right. So you could be everybody. Oh man, he went overseas and played, but he could be living in the shack, you know, right. making five hundred dollars wow. a month. Granted, like all that money is tax free, whatever you're making, but that's still not super appealing. Right. Um, mm-hmm. You're really just chasing the dream, chasing the passion. But which is fine too if that's what you want to do. It, but you, you know, it's just a matter of it has to make sense at a certain point. Being adults, yeah, it has to be sustainable, or you at least would want it to be sustainable. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. Which was your favorite country to stay in and play in? Uh, overall, it's probably Australia. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but the two favorites were definitely Australia and Brazil. Just international yeah. man of mystery. <laughs> what is the I will, Oh, I got to point out, Cody. Yeah. Um, not many people know this. So Cody's dad and sister were at my very first professional game in Sweden. Oh wow! Wow! So they were. It was the very first one. Um, it was like a, it was like a preseason game, but it was semi-official. So it was like it was it was huge. And like I was low key nervous. I don't think I told them that. But like I was low key nervous <laughs> that they were there. Um, but they they were there, and then it's being my first one. But it was actually a great thing because like I remember I missed my first two shots. And then I couldn't miss the rest of the game. Like hey. I ended up having like 36 with them in the stands and like put on a show. So it was like it was actually special to like start everything off that That's way. That's what's up. So. That's what's up. My dad has told me that he saw you play over there. I didn't know it was your first professional game over there though. Yeah, that's what we're all talking one, about a welcome so. party. Well, no, for real. You know, I guess that's that's another question because Rachel, I imagine like, in when you first got to New York. And we're really performing. And I remember bouncing from L.A. and Chicago and stuff. It was, like, very isolating to be pursuing this dream that, and, like, getting my ass kicked with, with, like, damn, I really wish my parents were in the crowd. I didn't. I don't think I valued that when I was a kid, like, playing sports, like, having my parents in the crowd. But I definitely just wanted some sort of support in the crowd. So being over there alone, 
like how did you manage to i guess stay energized and and motivated was it just the love of the game of basketball which basketball is the only sport that gets that respect nobody no one says like the game of football the game of baseball it's always no. like <laughs> LeBron James Kobe Jordan always like you know I've just been fortunate enough to play the game of basketball it's like uh, how how is that no one says that about soccer <laughs> nobody says I mean I guess maybe overseas it's like the beautiful game <laughs> yeah but um yeah what was it how did you like stay motivated one, it was something I always wanted to do. So this was what I was, you know, in my head at the time. This is what I was placed on earth to do. This right. is what I was going to do. Um, so it was always more to get. And I still feel like I didn't achieve, like you listed some of the things I've done and I talked to people about it. But in my head, I feel like I didn't do enough. Hmm. Like Ahmad feels like, I won't say I underachieved, but like I could have done more rather. It's not underachieved. It's just like, man, you always think you can do more. As a competitor, mm. you know, as you always think you can do more, unless you're just a lazy bump. So um, there are things that, you know, I wanted to accomplish more. I wanted to play on better teams, make even more money. You know what I'm saying? Like things like that of that nature. So it was always the next thing to get mm -hmm. to. And that's what kind of kept me motivated. Mm -hmm. or, or also, you're an adult now. You have to put food. You have to eat. Right. You yeah. know, you need, to, you need to get this done or you're going to be sent home. My first... That, those games in Sweden, there was a guy on my bench and another American who did not play and was sent home the first two weeks of the season because he wasn't he wasn't in shape, he wasn't ready to go, and he wasn't cutting it the first two weeks. So he was gone. Sent packing, never played a professional game. Ugh. And so it was just like that. Like that honestly motivated me because it was like yeah. I heard you hear the stories, like I'm I'm aware of this stuff going in, but then you see the guy that you, you know, pretty much rooming with and He's gone within two weeks because he wasn't getting it done. So now it's like, damn, all that, you know, and just gets it home in two weeks, like all the time and put in over a lifetime. Right. So Yeah, that's brutal. Wow. Motivating from a place of just terror, right. I feel like. <laughs> Existential <laughs> motivation. Right. Kinda, Absolutely. Yeah. Kinda, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. Now, um, let's talk about the human aspect of professional ball for a second specifically with the NBA, what do you make of like the relationship between the gatekeepers of the NBA and like the individual agency of like actual players? Um, I was, my dad, he was like so into just everything about how the bubble became the bubble and just like COVID hitting and, you know, players being uncertain if it's safe to go back out there and just like, you know, Adam Silver immediately tapping Chris Paul and being like, what do we need to do? And being in conversations with the union, me mm -hmm. and Cody were talking about like this, that it doesn't feel like every sport has that level of communication. Uh, I would say there's a more than, you know, probably other sports, um, but not, not enough because I don't know. NFL has it, but like the NBA, like you said, he reached Adam Silver was talking to Chris Paul because he's the president of the Players Association. I'm not sure. I could be wrong, but I'm not sure if the NFL has something like that. Mm -hmm. um, I know the NBA does. So they work directly with them to, you know, get things done for the players. And, you know, especially in the times where we had the bubble, but also, um, you know, the police brutality stuff that was going on, uh, you know, racial discrimination, things like that. So they were working. They wanted to do everything they can to work with the players, let alone, you know, uh, black athletes, just to 
stay in tune with them. What are your needs? Like, what are you looking for? Like, because we want to obviously still play games, but, you know, there was those teams who didn't want to play and whether it be bubble or for, you know, all the other stuff. So mm -hmm. you have to stay in tune with each other to have to make both sides equal. But, I mean, as equal as possible. But it's tough. I think the NBA does a good job of that. But I think there could be there could be more in in that in that sport as well as others. So now you've transitioned away from being on the court and playing directly as a professional. But what, was it difficult, or I guess I imagine the answer is yes. So how difficult was it really to make the decision to stop being a professional and move into the entrepreneurial space as a coach and a trainer? Probably probably the second or third hardest decision I've ever had to make in my life. Yeah. Wow. Um, just, you know, I contemplated this for, for months. Um, right before I went to Macedonia, it was kind of like, do I want to take this offer or do I want to be done? So I ended up taking it and going over there for training camp and being over there for a, a month or two and coming back. But when I was about to stop, I called... Uh, I talked to my mom. I talked to other players that had done it, like Tracy Abrams, um, another Chicago guy who stopped, had a few years overseas and stopped just to get their point of view on it. And it was like they were at peace. <laughs> um, Tracy was at peace. And so that helped me just to be like, man, like we're known for playing basketball. We're known for, from day old. Like this is like talk to Sam Thompson, who's my best friend. Right. Um, you guys know who that is. Um, just like man, we're known for this. These are these are these are uh, the connections we have are through basketball. This is how everyone knows us. It's blah blah blah. But none of that matters. You know what right. I'm saying? Like what matters is your happiness. You being at peace. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't happy doing it anymore. Yeah. Especially from that standpoint. Um, like you said, the traveling every year and all that other stuff that really got to me. Um, and I wanted to come back home. It's been, it had been ten years since I was like like I said had a foundation back in Chicago, and there were other things I wanted to do. So. It was very tough to make the call, but I'm very happy I did it. I um, imagine there's a, there was a freedom in making that call as well. Super. Like, there was that big time. And I, I, I'll admit that, yeah, it was somewhat depressing, a depressing time. Uh, when I came home, you know, I kind of shut down for like a month. Mm -hmm. Didn't know what I was going to do, really. Didn't know what was the next step, but put a lot of thought into it. But I was like, didn't know how to act. So right. I was just kind of to myself and trying to figure these things out. Um, and, you know, luckily this kind of the training thing kind of just came about. Of course, I wanted to be around the game and I didn't expect to kind of be doing it in the capacity that I am now. Right. Now I want to grow my brand. Now I want to help there as many go. kids as possible. But at mm -hmm. first it was like, you know, I just want to stick around the game. And then it just kind of blew up. So I'm going to ride this, ride this as long as I can. Oh, ride beautiful. it, man. Definitely. That is. That is inspirational. I, you're right. Athletic excellence, it's such a commitment. And like ultimately, I struggled making that commitment in part because I enjoyed weed and other vices, but also <laughs> because I feel like it, in athletics and even like as early as high school athletics, like just doing sports demanded the entire consumption of my identity. And there were like other facets of myself that I enjoyed. You know, I grew, grew up doing theater and dance. I went to a fine arts elementary and I hooped as well. And when I got to Win Young, it's like, you know, you can't do both. 
Um, so I guess my question for you is, uh, one, was that consumption of identity challenging? And two, who is Ahmad Starks outside of basketball? It's tough. It consumes your whole life, like you said, Rachel. That's like, especially going to Whitney Young, especially with right. Coach right. Corey Irvin, like, come on yeah. now. This is like, <laughs> this, this is what's got to be. Like, you got you either in or you out type of thing. And so you it's a full-time job like we were saying so it, it gets very hard to try to balance the two i was terrible at it mm-hmm. um terrible until you know almost on my way out and i'm still getting better at it now just having a life outside of the sport right who you are what you like to do and all those other things so who am i outside of basketball Ugh. a very I would say a very laid back person. There we go. Uh, I'm not getting that sense from chill. you right now. You seem pretty <laughs> <laughs> super chill. Uh, very very tight knit friend group. You know, I like to hang around pretty much the same people. Um, just people I can trust, people I vibe with, and just I don't know, just enjoying good people's quality time. And that's that's pretty much me. Is now I'm like. I don't know, as chill as they come. I would say I'm a nice person. Some people would disagree, but uh, I have a, a very big heart um, as well. So I would say that sums me up. Nice, man. Well, I'm glad uh, I'm glad the transition outside the jersey has brought about such peace and positivity. We love that. <laughs> we love to hear that. Great. Now, <laughs> speaking of, now that you've moved to the other side of the sideline, how has the concept of being checked for changed for you personally from player to trainer? And, you know, what does that pie in the sky checkery look like for you at this point? You know, I've been still still putting thought into that. Because, um, you know, at first, you know, I wanted to help help kids, you know, give back the knowledge that I wanted to, that I, that I have obtained over since I was two years old um, and just help that out, help the kids out. But then it became, it also became a little bigger in terms of um, what the brand could potentially be, because um, you also have, you start to get elite athletes, mm-hmm. um, and so that their their mindset it becomes a little different. You know, everybody wants to make the NBA, but then you actually have these these certain kids who are, you know, they got a chance, they, they got a real way. chance. Right. Yeah, <laughs> they got a real chance, and they were they were they're special, and so you want to handle those a little differently. Mm-hmm. So it became like, hey, I want to help them with that and achieve that, but also give them the knowledge that I didn't have, some things I didn't have, so so they need to be mentally prepared for certain things on and off the court. Right. And so they can also know for everyone what happens out after basketball for one. So. The trajectory behind all that is just taking each kid personally, um, you know, helping them as they come. It's just helping as many as possible. It's just what I can see right now mm-hmm. and doing, you know, what's best for them each, each step of the way. Hell, I mean, that sounds like a great trajectory to me. I'm like, I'm like, quick, let me have a kid and get them <laughs> to a mod. <laughs> You got me wanting to have a kid tomorrow. I shouldn't do that. Uh, all right. Well, final question. This is this is a ain't nobody checking for me classic. Uh, what do you want people checking for from you right now? This is your moment to plug whatever. 
from me, I would say just be on the lookout for for stock training to keep growing, keep your team to uh, help kids, you know, help other. The, the kids are very important to me, but I, I also work with pro- professionals as well. So just be on the lookout for all those guys and, you know, just stay stay in tune with what's going on. There may be someone I'm working with or me personally can help someone out there in a different capacity. Um, I also want people to be on the lookout for in due time. Pandemic has kind of slowed things a little bit, but in due time, uh, my mother and I, uh, Inner City Entertainment, it, uh, we are working to develop an entertainment complex in the South Shore neighborhood yeah. um, yes. that will include uh, movie theaters, which my parents owned movie theaters when I was growing up in the city of mm-hmm. Chicago. Yeah. Uh, I know Cody knows that. Um, so this this particular development will have dining movie theater, uh, Creole restaurant, hey. bowling, as well Damn. as an event space for concerts, comedy shows, things of that nature. And I'm really hoping to get this up as well because that space will allow me to have a little bit of a, a space to kind of deal with this mentorship thing like we kind of talked yeah. about before. So along with just bringing entertainment to a neighborhood that's on the rise. All right. Well, you heard it. You heard it from the man, the myth, the legend himself. Ahmad Starks was in the virtual studio today. Ahmad, thank you so much for coming by. As you all know, I'm Rachel Jarofsky. I'm Cody Wilkins. And this has been another fantastic guest on a fantastic episode of Ain't Nobody Checking For Me. Appreciate y'all, man. We gone. Ain't nobody checking for me. Checking for me. Checking for me.